Our text is John 7, verses 37 through 52. This is the word of Almighty God. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, No one ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Pray with me, friends. Lord, I would ask that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. Help us believe well. Help some to come to know you for the first time. Help us to know about what it's like to share the grace of God with others. I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So, y'all are Vegas folks, right? Do I need to explain to you the importance of a water source in an arid place? Because there's a whole big introduction I could do that involves arid water sources. How many times do you guys hear the word, you got to stay hydrated? How many ever? <laughs> y'all, I never heard the word hydrate as much in my life until I moved to Vegas. Of course, where I lived, it'd be 90 degrees and 75% humidity and uh, a different ballgame. But when you've lived here long enough, you know people who don't drink enough. Well, what happens when you don't drink enough? You get sick. Or you die. Now, wouldn't you guys bet that the people in the land of Israel, the people to whom Jesus was ministering, that they got this too? I mean, they probably didn't have those cool little metal water bottles that some of y'all are carrying around right now. But they knew what real thirst was. And Jesus used real thirst to make for these people a gospel invitation. So, today we're going to wrap up the study of John chapter 7. And we're going to watch as Jesus invites people to come to faith. And he's going to use water as a metaphor for the life-giving spirit of Almighty God. And people are going to respond. Some folks are going to believe. Some are not going to believe. Some are going to ponder. Some are going to be hostile. And all those responses are going to be pretty similar to the kind of things you and I could expect to happen when we call on people asking them to believe in Jesus too. So as we get ready to open this passage... I want you to be ready to find four points of application. I will warn you, a couple of these points have subpoints, so leave extra space. But we're going to look at the invitation Jesus offers, and we're going to look at the variety of responses that Jesus receives. 
And we're going to see calls for ourselves and for others to believe in Jesus. Are you guys surprised, by the way, that there would be a sermon in John about believing in Jesus? No. And you who listen, here's the thing. For you here today, you need to respond in one of two ways today if you're going to be right with God. If you're a believer in Jesus today, you're going to learn how to call people to faith and what to expect. If you're not sure where you stand before God, if you don't know what it means to be saved by Jesus, the call is going to be for you to come to Jesus in faith and be saved. But let's set the scene here. Verse 37 begins, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. So the setting of what's about to happen, we're in the Jewish Feast of Booths, or sometimes you see it called Tabernacles. What was this feast like? Every year, people from all over Israel would travel to Jerusalem to have a week-long holiday. It was like national law that you had to take this week of vacation. And during that time, they lived in little shelters made of branches in order to remind the people what it was like to travel through the desert during the Exodus. So it was like mandatory family camp. Some of us don't love that idea as much as others, by the way. But as you might imagine, the concept of thirst, the concept of real life-threatening thirst and God's provision... That was a part of the 40 years that the Israelites spent wandering around in the desert. And it made its way into the ceremony. You see, because thirst and God's miracles, they were such a critical part of the Exodus, in celebrating the festival of booths, here's something you may not know. They had a special ceremony that they would do in Jerusalem. It was simply referred to as the water ceremony. So during the festival, a priest would lead a little processional from the temple down to a nearby spring, and he would fill a gold pitcher with water while the choir sang Isaiah 12, verse 3, which reads, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Then they would go back to the temple, and the priest would pour out the water as an act of worship. And that reminded the Israelites how God provided for the people during the Exodus wanderings, and it reminded them that God promised he would provide in the future the coming king, the coming Messiah, the coming one who would set things right between God and man. They knew they were looking forward to it. You've got to keep that ceremony in the back of your mind as you look at what Jesus does right here because it is huge. In verses 14 to 24 of this chapter, Jesus was in talking to the, the, the folks in the middle of the feast, right? So it was probably Wednesday. And here... This is happening on the final, the climactic day of the festival. So it's either Saturday or Sunday, depending on how you worked out the days of that festival. And now Jesus is going to say something really important. Let's see what Jesus says. We'll find our first point for this morning. If you're a point writer, point number one. Get this, you ready? Believe in Jesus. There's point number one. Vanessa, this is the teaching you must endure. Point number one. Verses 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So get this. In the middle of a ceremony in which the people used water as a picture of the perfect, true provision of God, Jesus stands up. And he cries out, even though there are people there who want to arrest him, who want to kill him, there are temple police trying to find him and bring him in. In spite of all that opposition, Jesus stands up and he cries out. He speaks boldly and invites people, come to me if you want life. Jesus compares himself to that water. Maybe it was the water that was in the water ceremony. The crowds are thinking, oh, how wonderful God provided miraculous water for the nation so that they could survive in the desert. Jesus says he is the one who can satisfy the needs of a thirsty soul. And Jesus invites everybody, everybody to come. And Jesus promises that anybody who comes and thirsts and comes to him will have their needs met. Might remind you of some other verses in the Bible, by the way. Isaiah 55 verse 1 reads, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Or Revelation 22 verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Jesus says the thirsty person who comes to him will have springs of living water flowing from within him. And the picture here is your soul goes from being a dry, parched, desolate desert to being a bubbling, flowing, overflowing stream. Now Jesus doesn't just give you here what you need when you come to him. He gives you so much. He gives you a quenching of spiritual thirst and it will satisfy your soul and it will flow out of you to impact others. That's the picture. Now John helps you to understand here, he's talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit because everybody who believes in Jesus when they truly come to him in faith receives from God the Spirit of God to to live within your very life. See, no longer... Do we cry out to some God who's out there? When you know Jesus, God lives within you. God's right here, working in you, flowing out from you, satisfying your soul, helping you to take the gospel to other people. Now, you might be here today, and maybe you're a believer in Jesus. Most folks who come to church on a Sunday morning are. But it's also really possible for you to be hearing me today And you don't really understand what we're talking about when we say know Jesus or believe in Jesus or be saved. If you don't yet know Jesus, here's what I want to urge you to do. Come to Jesus. I want to urge you, thirst after God. Believe that Jesus can satisfy your thirst. Put your trust in Jesus that he might give you life. If you're a believer today, I want to urge you, if you already believe, help other people come to know Jesus. 
Now, if you're not a believer, you might be thinking, how do I do this? If you are a believer, you might be thinking, what do they need to know? Let me give you three things. First, if you're not yet a believer, feel your spiritual thirst. You need to feel it. You need to know it's there. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts. There's a condition that must be met before anybody can come to know Jesus. If anybody is ever going to be satisfied, they must first recognize that they are thirsty. If anyone is ever to be saved, they've got to realize that they're lost. Every human being is desperately in need of God. You guys buy that? God God is perfect. God is infinitely holy and just. And folks like you and me, we've all failed. You guys would agree with that, that you've messed up at least once in your life? Maybe twice for some of you? Not one of us is close to God's perfection on our own. And when we start there, we are in a desperate position before God. Though we were created by God with a great need to know God, we have no chance of knowing God if we remain in our sin-cursed state. We would be destined for the wrath of God. God will always justly, rightly punish all sin. Our sin, our state is desperate. We're worse off than a man wandering out in the desert with no water. We have no hope left to ourselves. And that should be something that you look at, that you see, that you feel, you thirst, you long for God to help you. Now, Christians, when you share the good news of Jesus with other people, you need to tell them the bad news. I know the gospel is good news, but it is your job to tell them the bad news. If you don't help them to see their desperation before God, you're not giving them the gospel. You've got to let them see their lack of any hope before God so they can actually thirst for Jesus. So the first thing you've got to do is help others feel their spiritual thirst. Does that make sense? I want you to just imagine, if I walked up to you and I said, hey, guess what, there's a cure. Are you impressed? Depends what I'm talking about, doesn't it? If I said to you, hey, there's a new cure for monkeypox. Well, it depends if I've got it or not, doesn't it? If I said to you, there's a cure for Travis disease, the first thing you'd want to know is if you had it. Many of you feel like you do. (laughs) You've got to know that you're sick, that you're dead, that you need the cure so that you can run and embrace it. Secondly, come to Jesus to satisfy your your thirst. Feel your thirst, come to Jesus to satisfy it, right? The Savior said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If you have gotten to a place in your life where you know you are spiritually empty, where you know that you're desperate to have God forgive you, Here is the offer set before you by Jesus. He says anybody who's truly thirsty can come to him and can drink. 
He is the source of what you need. He's the source of what will satisfy your soul. He's the source of what will save your soul. Only Jesus. Nobody else. You can't be saved if you have Jesus plus this or that. You can only be saved if you run to Jesus and Jesus alone in faith. We are imperfect before God. Jesus came to give us a perfection that we cannot attain on our own. He died as our substitute to pay our debt to God. And he offers us his righteousness in place of our sinfulness. He'll give us everything we need to be forgiven by God and to live forever with God in glory. Coming to Jesus to drink implies that you come to Jesus acknowledging that Jesus is the only source of life you have. You acknowledge that Jesus is your only hope to survive in this desert. You acknowledge that Jesus has got what it takes to satisfy your soul and that what he's offering you is good. Are any of you thirsty this morning? Are any of you realizing today, I need God to forgive me. I need God to make me clean or I'm dead. If so, Jesus offers you the opportunity to come to him, to drink of his living water, and be satisfied. He'll forgive those who place their faith in him. Jesus will cleanse you of your sin. He'll make you able to stand before God. And that is a beautiful, beautiful grace, a grace you shouldn't refuse. Now, third thing I told you, feel your thirst. Come to Jesus to have that thirst satisfied. Thirdly, Share that satisfaction with others. Jesus added, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Once God has saved your soul, once Jesus has satisfied your actual spiritual need, your heart will actually overflow with living water. And that overflow of water is not just for you. You are supposed to be satisfied by the presence of God's Spirit in your life, and you're supposed to let that living water flow out of you to touch the lives of other people. All of us are called by God to share our faith. If we try to keep our newfound living water to ourselves, it'll stop satisfying. Any of y'all ever grow up where there were ponds? Again, y'all desert folks don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but... You ever go fishing in a pond before? There's a difference in a pond that has water flowing through it and one that's just all there holding the water all by itself. A pond that has an outlet, a lake that has an outlet, will be nice and clean and clear. A pond, the Dead Sea, that has no outlet and only takes water in and doesn't let the water go out, you know what it is? It's murky. It gets slimy. It gets nasty. Water that flows is the clean, pure water that people want to drink. As you share the good news of Jesus with others around you, you're going to find that your soul becomes even more satisfied with Jesus as you share with others around you. And if people around you come to know Jesus too, that will thrill your very soul. How do you come to know Jesus? Feel your spiritual thirst. Come to Jesus to satisfy that thirst. Share that satisfaction with other people. Now, I don't know where you are in your journey with God here this morning, 
But I guarantee you, God wants you to do one of those three things. I guarantee you. It may be that God wants you for the very first time to recognize you are bankrupt. You are helpless before God. Great. Feel that pain. Feel that fear. Let it lead you to Jesus. Maybe you're feeling the fear. Maybe you're feeling the pain. And God is calling you to come to him. Great. Come to Jesus. Turn away from sin. Don't rely on yourself. Just trust in Jesus and find peace with God and find forgiveness for all your sins. Maybe you're here as a believer. Great. The call of God on you is to go out and share Jesus with somebody and keep the streams flowing. Your soul satisfaction grows as you help others to know about Jesus. Now, let me give you a little warning, a little, oh, I don't know, disclaimer, if you will. In the world in which we live, not everybody you talk to is going to jump on this offer of grace right away. I don't know if you know that or not. Let me tell you something. It's not your job to control that. Who's in charge of this, folks? Our God is in charge. We're called by God to be his witnesses to the world. And when it comes to sharing the faith, your responsibility is to be faithful to pray and to share. Success in evangelism is obedience to God. God is the one responsible to convert a soul. Well, we're going to look at the responses Jesus got right here, and there are going to be some different possible responses that you may see as you share the gospel. And these responses are going to remind you of important parts of the call to believe. So point number two, point number two, believe in the true Jesus. Believe in the true Jesus. Verses 40 to 44 When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So here you get a glimpse of three different responses to Jesus. Some would argue two. I'm going to go with three. As the Savior calls out to people, offering them the life-changing grace of God, people react differently. Most of the differences here in this section is a genuine confusion about the facts. Although later in the passage, you're going to watch some people refuse to deal with facts just because they, they don't like Jesus. They oppose him based on their emotions. But... What do we see here in this section? I think you can say that the three responses to Jesus are some get close, but they don't rightly believe. Some do believe, and some flat reject Jesus based on their lack of knowledge about the facts of the Savior. So look at verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. That's what I'm calling some get close. The first response we see in this event 
is from a group of people who call Jesus, quote, the prophet, probably referring to a figure that Moses predicted in Deuteronomy 18.15. A prophet like Moses, God would send. So this group of people looks at Jesus and they're like, man, he is a really important guy. He is sent by God, but they don't seem to understand that Jesus is the Son of God, the living water, the Savior of the world. So they get close, but they don't understand. Christians, when you share Jesus with other people, there are going to be times when they don't understand. They're going to get a little of what you say, and they might get really close, and they will frustrate you to tears. Because you're going to share and share and share, and they kind of get close, and they'll see that there's something spiritual and something good about Jesus, but they just don't see who he is and surrender to him. Don't let that surprise you if it happens. If it happened in Jesus' ministry, don't you think it might happen in yours? Be patient. Trust God. And above all, keep sharing the true gospel. Because you never know how and when and where God will break through somebody's heart and bring them to himself. You be faithful. You keep sharing. God will deal with the outcome. Now, if you're still figuring out what you believe about Jesus, there's a point here for you too. Listen to me. Be very careful not to think you honor God if you give Jesus a nice nod. You cannot be right with God if you think of Jesus as merely a good man or even as an important prophet. The Bible's clear that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's not somebody you can have a fondness for and that be it. Either Jesus is the Lord God or he's nobody at all. Do not fall for the temptation to think of Jesus as one good man among many. To believe in the real Jesus, you've got to see him for who he really is. God in the flesh, your only hope of salvation. At the beginning of verse 41, we also read, others said, this is the Christ. I'm putting these people in the category of some people do believe. Praise God, some people who hear the gospel by the grace of God, by the working of God, get it. Some people recognize Jesus as none other than God's promised Christ. Now, by the way, what does the word Christ mean? Now, first thing you need to know, Christ is not Jesus' name. It's a title, not a name. Uh, Some of you people, most of you people call me Pastor or Pastor Travis. Pastor is not my name. When I'm at home, Mitzi doesn't say, hey, Pastor, come here. I try to get her to do stuff like that. She won't do it. My Lord, I've tried that one. She won't do that. I don't know why. Yeah, the word Christ is a, for, is a, is a Greek form of the, of the Hebrew word for Messiah, and it means anointed one, chosen one. Jesus is God's chosen, anointed, promised one, the man who came to earth to set right 
everything that's gone wrong. If you call Jesus the Christ, you're saying Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to send someone into the world to set right what went wrong when mankind rebelled against the maker. To trust Jesus as the Christ, you've got to come to him. You've got to believe who he is. You've got to ask him to set your life right. When you share the good news of Jesus with others, Christians, I want you to hear this because you need to hear this. When you share with others, it's very possible some will actually believe. We know that some people will believe. You know why I believe people will believe when you share the gospel with them? Because God is the one who does the work in the human heart. It ain't about you. Aren't you glad? It's not, it's not about how clever you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how persuasive you are. It's about the Lord God Almighty. Now listen, it may not happen often. It may not happen but one time in your whole life. But if you share the gospel over time, it's very likely you will get the joy of seeing somebody actually get it and actually put their faith in Jesus. And by the way, if you don't see that happen, you be faithful and you keep sharing because maybe God is using your witness to just keep pushing people closer and closer to the moment when they will truly come to faith in Jesus. You know what? If you can be just one more nudge along the path, it's worth it for your happiness, for your joy, and for the glory of God. But then verses 41 goes on to say, some said, is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was a division among the people over him. Some wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. So here you see at the end, some people just flat reject Jesus. Don't you love it? They start getting technical. They, they know what town the Messiah is supposed to come out of. Well, you know, if he didn't come from Bethlehem, he's obviously not the Messiah. You guys see a problem with their, with their reasoning here? Where did Jesus come from? He was born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? See, they got so stuck in their heads and how smart they were, they didn't even look to see where Jesus was born. Had they investigated, they would have found out Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he was a descendant of King David, just as the Bible predicted. But this group was so interested in not believing, they were more worried about not believing than about getting the facts straight. Christians, this will happen with you too. When you share Jesus with some people, they are going to be dead-hearted. They're going to be cruel. They might laugh at you. They might make fun of you. They might just try to get all intellectual up in your business as, as they turn their back on God's offer of salvation. But don't let that get to you. I want to say this. You've heard it before, but it's true. If you share Jesus and someone hates the offer, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. Your job is to keep presenting the gospel to them. You be faithful. You leave the results to God. God can deal with their unbelief. Don't be surprised when a sinner rejects Jesus. You just keep praying and you keep sharing when you can. As the passage here says, there was a division over Jesus. Well, obviously... There's always a division over Jesus, isn't there? 
Some folks get close and they almost believe. They give Jesus a really nice nod, but they're not saved. Some people actually do believe and they surrender their, their lives, their soul, their, their future, their forever to Jesus, trusting him as their savior. Some reject Jesus altogether. And we're not in control of any of those three things. It's not our job to try to control that. It is, however, our job to share Jesus with everybody, no matter what the outcome may be. Now, if you heard all that stuff and you don't know where you stand before God, let me tell you, believe in the real Jesus. Don't believe in a figure that you've made up in your own mind. My Jesus is like this. That's dumb. Don't do it. Believe in Jesus, the Son of God, as revealed here. You need God to rescue you from your sin or you're in deep trouble. Only Jesus, because of his life, death, and resurrection, can save you. Believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins. Believe that Jesus rose from the grave to save your soul. Believe and turn to Jesus. Ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, please save me before it's too late. Third point. Believe in the words of Jesus. Point three is believe in the words of Jesus. You still with me? 45 and 46. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. It was back up in verse 32, probably on Wednesday, when the Jewish officials sent the temple police out to try to arrest Jesus. And now, finally, the officers return. And if you look here, they seem to have come close to believing in Jesus. Maybe, in fact, one or two of them did believe. Who knows? But something about Jesus, the way Jesus spoke, told these guards, there's something unique about Jesus. There's something special about Jesus. Now, does it seem unbelievable to you that a security guard sent by Jesus' enemies to arrest him would be awestruck by Jesus and his teaching? It shouldn't, right? The crowds who heard Jesus were often astonished at his teaching. The Roman soldiers who were sitting around the cross of Jesus, they were amazed. One of the men who watched Jesus die looked at the way he died and said, surely this was the Son of God. Why would it surprise you to see Jesus change anybody's heart? Jesus can reach anybody, anywhere, anytime. This is why we keep sharing the gospel. And you who have not decided where you stand before Jesus, look at the words of Jesus. I'm glad you all are here today, by the way. I'm glad all of you are here today, even Ben. You guys have got to hear, you've been given the privilege of hearing the call from Jesus to realize that you are spiritually thirsty and come to Jesus and be satisfied by believing in him. Look to Jesus. Hear his words. Hear what he's inspired in the scriptures. Hear the words of Jesus and let those words bring you to saving faith. I get to say to you, I get to say to all of you, believe in Jesus and be saved. Turn away from self and sin and lay your life down in the hands of Jesus and be saved. I'm glad you're here to hear that. Last point for this morning. Believe even in the face of opposition. 
believe even in the face of opposition. Verses 47 to 49 read, The Pharisees answered them, Have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd who does not know the law is accursed. (laughs) Well, there you have it from the religious teachers. We're smart, they're dumb, end of story. That's what they said, right? But when it's all said and done, those men will stand before Jesus on the judgment day. Some people will reject Jesus, and Christians, your job is to keep sharing the gospel. But watch out for the supposed scholarly expert. Because these men in Jerusalem, they weren't rejecting Jesus because they were confused about where he came from. They rejected Jesus because he challenged their position of superiority in their society and they hated it. They wanted to think that they were the smart ones. They wanted to think they were the important ones. And if they believed in Jesus, they would have to let go of all that so that they could be rescued by God. And these men just wouldn't do so. Dear friends, do not let your love of looking smart cost you your soul. Verses 50 to 52, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before and who was one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Search and see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now we saw Nicodemus back in John chapter 3. And man, Nicodemus, every step seems to be coming just a little bit closer to believing in Jesus, doesn't he? He tries to reason with the Jewish leaders. He's like, hey, at least take time to be honest about who Jesus is and examine the claims. The others called Nicodemus a backwoods hick like Jesus. That's what the Galilee insult's all about. And then... And then they go and misinterpret the Bible one more time by claiming that no prophet comes from Galilee. Here's the beauty of this. These guys, they're so super smart. They're down with the science, whatever it is, right? They said no prophet arises from Galilee. You guys want to know where Jonah was from? Galilee. Not this Jonah, but the the one in the Bible. (laughs) Christians, When you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, some people are going to get closer and closer, even if they don't come to Jesus when you talk to them. That's okay. You share faithfully. Let God do his work. And this last point I'm going to call you guys, though, to believe even in the face of opposition. There's no way to come to Jesus and not face opposition. We live in a world that battles against God with everything it's got. Wouldn't you guys agree with that today? You've got to know it. Don't be surprised by it. Don't let it hurt your little feelings when somebody rejects you. What would you expect them to do? You've got to decide that loving the God who made you and having your sin forgiven, it's worth more than having the approval of society. And when people are saved, when you're saved, 
You've got to decide that sharing Jesus is worth more than looking like the model citizen according to the lost elite. Friends, all this passage, if we roll it up together in a ball, it reminds you of what Jesus illustrated with that water metaphor. We're dying in a desert land. We're dead in a desert land, and we need the water of life. Jesus is the only water of life. Not Jesus and religious activity. Not Jesus and religious substances. Not Jesus and going on a particular pilgrimage. Just Jesus is the only one who can save you. Know that you're thirsty. Come to Jesus for life. And when you're saved, let the presence of the Spirit of God in your life move you to share the good news of Jesus with people who need him too. Not everybody you talk to is going to believe. But your call is to glorify God by continuing to call people to find life in Jesus. Let's pray together, friends. Lord, you are good and your love endures forever. And I would pray, Lord, now that you will give us hearts eager, willing to follow you, to believe in you, and to share your love with others. Lord, prevent us from the things that would get in our way, but instead give us grace to love you and follow you and share and keep sharing and keep sharing. And God, I would ask you for the mercy, for the joyous mercy that we would hear stories of Christians sharing and people believing for your holy glory, we pray it. In Christ's name, amen.